E4E is brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. In an effort to increase the availability and accessibility of UD expertise to Delaware's P12 educators, leaders, and policy influencers, we have invited faculty members from the University of Delaware's nine colleges to share their research. We hope you enjoyed today's critical conversation and consider ways you might be able to leverage relevant research and UD expertise to advance policy and transform practice. Hello, my name is Dr. Anastasia Pernton. I'm the Associate Director of the Partnership for Public Education. I'll be the host for today's episode of the E4E podcast, which was produced by Sarah Daniels, a graduate student in the Biden School of Public Policy and Administration. Today's episode features Dr. Allison Carpin and McKenna Halverson. Dr. Carpin is the co-director of the Center for Research in Education and Social Policy, otherwise known as CRESP, and associate professor in the Department of Human Development and Family Sciences at the University of Delaware. Her work spans from program evaluation methods, topics related to hunger, obesity, school food, supermarket access, food insecurity, and healthy corner stores, to strategies to develop and maintain farmers markets in low-income areas. McKenna Halverson is a second-year PhD student in the Human Development and Family Sciences Program at the University of Delaware. McKenna's research focuses on the individual, family, and community-level factors that influence the well-being of families with young children who are experiencing poverty. Allison and McKenna will be discussing their recent work, which captures WIC participants' perceptions of increased cash value benefits during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you both for being here with us today. Thank you very much for having us. Excited to be here. Awesome. So my first question is, how does access to nutritious food impact a child's learning? So this is a easy and a difficult question all at the same time to answer. I think what we know about nutrition and learning is that it's quite a reciprocal relationship. If you think about the importance of education to a person's health, we know that it's an important social determinant of health. But also in a practical day-to-day sense, we see that kids who don't have adequate access to good nutrition, both in the womb across the life course and also as a young child, you know, they're not ready to learn. Their brain development might even be stymied and they'll have less ability to have energy and concentration in class. We know that if you're hungry, it's really hard to concentrate. So we see that nutrition can also really impact school performance in their ability to just be on task in class. So McKenna, can you tell us a little bit about what the WIC program is? Yeah, so WIC stands for the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children. And it's actually the third largest nutrition assistance program in the United States. And it provides low-income pregnant, postpartum, and breastfeeding women, as well as infants and children up to age five who are at nutritional risk with access to nutritious food packages that can supplement their diets. And then the program also provides participants with access to nutrition education, breastfeeding support services, and healthcare referrals. And this program actually has a pretty large reach. So WIC serves over 6.2 million participants every single month, including almost half of all infants born in the United States. And then in Delaware, the program actually serves around 17,000 women and children each month. So it plays a really important role in improving the health of infants, children, and mothers in our state. What are cash value benefits, otherwise known as CVB? Yeah, so the WIC program, as McKenna just described, is 
Very specific. So for those who are less familiar, although probably half of our listeners grew up on WIC as a child, as McKenna also mentioned, but the WIC program is very specific. So for example, it's not just an outlay of cash where somebody can go into a grocery store and buy whatever they want. Instead, there's very specific products, for example, a 16-ounce loaf of wheat bread made by a specific provider that are eligible vouchers for the coupon. However, a few years ago, policymakers started to look at this and notice that they really didn't have a lot of fruits and vegetables available as part of the program. And in part, that was because it can be tough to identify a specific product and then offer a voucher for it. So in this particular instance, they decided that they would offer a cash value benefit. And that's what CVB stands for, specifically for fruits and vegetables. And so this is an allotment of cash that a WIC participant would receive that would allow them to buy fresh fruits and vegetables, whatever fruits or vegetables that their family needs. So it's not a specific list of fruits and vegetables, just any fresh fruit or vegetable. Okay, so how are CVB benefits related to children's health outcomes? So fruits and vegetables are extremely important for children's diets, and the nutrients obtained from these foods are really crucial for keeping children's bodies healthy and strong. So for example, consuming recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables can help to prevent obesity among children, and it can also prevent other longer-term kind of cardiometabolic diseases, including type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, and consuming adequate amounts of fruits and vegetables can also strengthen children's immune systems and help them to fight illnesses, can aid in the proper functioning of their digestive system by allowing them to consume adequate amounts of fiber, and then also just improving children's overall mood, their mental health, and as we said earlier, their learning. I'll just throw in one more, and that is dental health. A lot of times we forget that a child's diet really does relate to their teeth as well. How does CVB reduce disparities in food accessibility and contribute to increased healthy food consumption amongst participants? So when we think about disparities across the spectrum in health, a lot points back to dietary quality. So a lot of the diseases that McKenna just mentioned, heart disease, stroke, even cancers, they do tie to a dietary element. And so the cash value benefit by allowing families a specific amount of money just for fruits and vegetables really boosts that fruit and vegetable consumption, gets more of those good antioxidants in the household and allows kids access to them when they might not otherwise feel like they could afford to purchase them. So as we all know, a lot of things have changed since the pandemic, and I'm wondering how has CVB changed? Yeah, so this is actually a tough question to answer. It has been difficult even for those of us who study the program to follow all of the changes to the CVB during the pandemic. But prior to the pandemic, the CVB amounts were $9 per month for children and $11 per month for mothers. And then in March of 2021, as we all know, the American Rescue Plan was enacted and the CVB levels were actually nearly tripled to $35 per month for all participants. And then in September of 2021, via a continuing resolution, the CVB was changed again, but this time it was changed to better align with recommendations in the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. So these new amounts were evidence-based, and they were $24 per month for children, $43 per month for pregnant and postpartum women, and $47 per month for breastfeeding women. 
And these amounts have been extended through to now. They've just been slightly adjusted for inflation. So the current amounts are $25 per month for children, $44 per month for pregnant and postpartum women, and $49 per month for breastfeeding participants. So based on your study, how did Delaware CVB participants feel about increasing CVB benefits? Yeah, so this is actually one of the main goals of our study was to understand Delaware WIC participants' perceptions of the benefit, and then also how these changes influence their grocery purchases, their food preparation strategies, and their fruit and vegetable consumption patterns. So to actually answer these questions, Allison and I conducted semi-structured interviews with 51 WIC participants in Wilmington, Delaware between March and June of 2022. And we found that participants strongly supported the CVB increase, and they felt that the pre-pandemic amounts of $9 and $11 were not sufficient to meet their family's needs. And the participants perceived that the increased CVB increased their fruit and vegetable purchasing and consumption. So we had some participants say that they were able to purchase fruits and vegetables multiple times throughout the month instead of just once at the beginning of the month, which helped them to have a more consistent stream of fruits and vegetables in the home. And they also reported being able to kind of eat healthier and replace some of their children's prepackaged snacks with those fruits and vegetables. And our last finding was that participants also felt that the CVB enhanced their dietary variety. So at the $9 and $11 amounts, participants usually stuck to some of the cheaper options like bananas. But with this increase, they were able to branch out and try different types of fruits and vegetables that they may not have tried before, such as blueberries or mangoes. And we know that this is really important for children's taste preference development. Allison, I'm really interested in the policy implications of these findings. How can policymakers better support healthy food accessibility for low-income Delaware families? So as McKenna mentioned, the, the WIC policy is really a federal policy, but it also the states are empowered to enact some of those federal guidelines in their own way. I think what this study really speaks to is the importance mm-hmm. of that additional say $20, $30 per person when a mom is breastfeeding or has a young child at home to dedicate to produce in particular. What we see in terms of the latest policy, and you know, as McKenna mentioned, it's really a roller coaster ride that we've seen in terms of the dollar amounts over the past year or two with a lot of ups and downs. And so what it really does is it allows us to understand, as McKenna mentioned too, the impact of, say, an $11 benefit versus, say, a $49 benefit. What does that really mean for families? So at this point in time, the USDA is right now reviewing the WIC food package proposed rule, which could potentially change the value of the cash benefit more permanently, or at least in this next round. And there's a lot of discussion going on today about what the right amount would be for those benefits. So on May 18th, the House Republicans fiscal year 2024 agriculture appropriations bill just came out and it's proposing deep cuts to the WIC cash value benefit. Unfortunately, the bill would reduce the monthly fruit and vegetable benefit from the $25 down to 11 for one to four-year-olds, which if you do your math in your head real quick, there is about a 56% reduction. 
And similar reductions, actually a little bit even higher for pregnant and postpartum women going from $44 down to $13. So I think we're really going to see some hearty debates on where the cash value benefit belongs here in the coming year. And I think that, you know, the value of prevention is pretty important. And if we're talking about the difference between $44 and $13 a month for people, I think that's a whole heck of a lot less than what we would be looking at if we, you know, needed to deal with a heart attack in the emergency room. So this nutrition elements from a policy perspective, you know, I I really hope that we can just keep them at least where they are, if not boost them. Obviously, there's huge implications for these findings and policy, but I'm wondering if you could add a little bit more information about what you heard from your participants directly about the importance of CVB benefits. I just think it's really moving to hear the words of the women who are struggling to put food on their families' tables and the difference that just $25 can make in terms of being able to add a pepper to a meal or to you know, be able to provide some berries on the table for your child. You can tell it means a lot to people to be able to offer that. And it's good for them too. Yeah. So we heard from one participant who said when we had a lower amount, we stuck to salads. But I do notice now today that we're able to have more. And I basically make sure that we have a full vegetable at every meal. And I know that's a really big deal. And it kind of makes me weary that we weren't having a full fruit and vegetable at every meal. So now we'll have like a side of cucumbers with ranch or carrots with ranch, always with our regular meat and drink. And we'll also have fruit for breakfast. And that's something we do now more than we've ever done before. And he has it with his snacks also. So we heard from that participant that they were able to consume fruits and vegetables with every meal instead of just kind of sticking to their regular meat and drink. And then we heard from another participant who said, we definitely ate a lot more meat and cheese based meals. And now our meals are much more diverse we have more and it encourages us all, including my children, to try vegetables because it's on their plate and it's a larger part of the meal than just one or two. Because that was another thing. When there wasn't enough to share, we had to pick out a little bit versus now we have plenty of vegetables and fruit to eat. I just think it's so striking that something like fruit with yogurt or like berries in particular become such a specialty item when you have so little to go around. And We've seen an increase in the cost of food of 30% since the beginning of the pandemic and about 11% this year. It has tapered off in the last month and a half or so, but there's really been a spike in the cost of food. And what gets compromised are what people perceive as being sort of these special items, which can be something as simple as a blueberry, which we know is so good for us. So I just think it's really striking to hear families talk about now that they can actually afford that container of blueberries and have their kids be exposed to it and consume it. And, you know, it, I think it's a higher quality lifestyle for such a low price, really. A lot of participants said that the CVB was actually their favorite part of the WIC program, which is really important from a policy standpoint, because WIC, as Allison mentioned, is has really specific products and it can be challenging for participants to redeem their full benefits each month. But we heard over and over again from participants that 
even if they're not always redeeming their full peanut butter or their full bread benefit, they're always trying to redeem their full fruits and vegetables because that's really what they value in the program. So from a participation standpoint and from a participant satisfaction standpoint, I think it's really important that this increased CVB be extended permanently. So I'm wondering if there's any spaces where you would like to add information about your study. Did you want to point folks to resources? Yeah, so we do have a few different resources available if folks want to learn a little bit more about our study and this issue in general. We have a publication available on our website at CRASP, um, the Center for Research in Education and Social Policy at the University of Delaware, called Pandemic Era WIC Participation in Wilmington, Delaware, Participant Experiences and Challenges. And that is lead authored by McKenna Halverson and myself, Allison Carpin, and is published in the journal Nutrients in 2023 this year. We have a couple of other WIC-related publications also out there, as well as a WIC brief. And I'll also add that the title of this specific paper is WIC Participants' Perceptions of the Cash Value Benefit Increase During the COVID-19 Pandemic. So um, our other paper that Allison mentioned refers to WIC participants' experiences generally during the pandemic. So we have information about the infant formula shortage, their experiences redeeming benefits in the stores during the pandemic, their thoughts about inflation, et cetera. So that is all in the paper that Allison mentioned as well. That's fantastic. And we will also have all of those pieces linked to the description box of this podcast. Great. And just to clarify, the website at the Center for Research in Education and Social Policy is www.cresp.udel.edu. It sounds like not only was your study really valuable, but obviously the implications for Delaware families and for policy in the state are huge. And so we're really thankful to have you on our podcast today and to have an opportunity to share your work in another space. So thank you both for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of E4E, brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. For more information about the work being done by the Partnership for Public Education, please visit our website at www.udel.edu slash ppe.